I love a good story, especially if it's a God story, and I bet you do too. So welcome. I'm your host, Jody Caracosta, ministry leader at Somebody Cares America International, author and fellow traveler on this journey of faith. Faith is one of the things we are going to talk about today with Mandy Reisner. Mandy and her husband, Mike, co-founded Core Love International in 2011 to provide life-saving care to orphans in Haiti. I met Mandy a little before that when she and Mike were praying through the vision God had given them, and we're going to touch on that. But before we get there, we want to know the backstory. Mandy, you're a wife and a mother with three adult children and an adoption in process, and we have something special in common. We both recently had a daughter get married. I understand all that entails, the months of planning that goes into the big event, hosting everybody, praying it's a special and memorable day for the bride and groom. And I also know the joy that we have of seeing a daughter marry a man who loves Jesus. So I would love to hear a little little, little bit about your daughter's wedding. Thank you, Jody. First of all, I just want to honor you, Jody, and all you do for Somebody Cares. Um, I especially want to honor Doug and Lisa Stringer. Doug has been a spiritual father to my husband, Mike, since he first met him in the mid-90s, and we credit a lot of things we've been able to do and accomplish in Haiti to Brother Doug and Lisa and Somebody Cares. It's through their relationships that they opened the very first doors for us in Haiti, doors (laughs) we couldn't have opened on our own, and we are so incredibly thankful for that. And just, I love your heart that you guys encourage us. You believe in us. You're our biggest cheerleaders. And we love that about you guys and your organization. And yes, my daughter, my only daughter, got married um, October the 16th. And it was just such a beautiful, beautiful day. I've seen some of the pictures. It looked gorgeous. It was kind of an indoor-outdoor chapel, wasn't it? It was. It was. That was a whole God story. Uh, We actually had a relationship with the pastor of the church there, and uh, he has a beautiful little white chapel out in the back property of their church, and it just was a real God connection. Yeah, that we were able to have the wedding there was such a a joy, and we're just so super proud of our daughter and our new son-in-law. We are so excited to see the journey of our daughter and her new husband uh, as they start life together and They're living down in Atlanta, so we don't get to see them real often, but um, hopefully your daughter and her new husband are closer, closer to you. They are just four hours. Oh, that's great. Well, we could talk about our kids all day, but we're really here to talk about you and what God's done in your life. You know, with every story, there's a beginning. Once upon a time, that's a beginning of a fairy tale. And, you know, it was the best of times or the worst of times from Tale of Two Cities A fun one that I loved when I was growing up was Peter Pan. All children grow up except one. And of course, the beginning of the Bible, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth in Genesis 1-1. So where and how does the story of Mandy begin? Yeah, so really I want to share where I first heard about Jesus and what that journey um, of coming to faith in Christ was for me and in my life. Now I've been married 28 years. Um, We have three amazing kids, a boy, girl, and boy ages 22, almost 21, and 19. Um, But my faith experience, it really, um, really was quite a miracle. Um, I found Jesus in a very personal way right before I turned 18 years old. And it changed the entire course of my life. Um, God truly plucked me out of darkness into his marvelous light. And for that, I'm just so um, grateful. 
and indebted to him. Um, I was born uh, in Dallas, mm -hmm. Texas. Um, I lived there until I graduated high school. I'm the youngest of three children, the first to ever be in full-time ministry. Um, during my youngest years, um, I attended a traditional Methodist church with my family. I was christened as a baby. Um, I have, you know, lots of vivid memories of the stained glass windows, the sitting and standing each Sunday to recite things like the Apostles' Creed, the Lord's Prayer, um, singing along to the, to the hymn books, and the ministers that wore the long white robes, right? But some of those traditions, yeah, I still admire, but I don't ever recall having a real personal relationship with Jesus. So once I hit um, my junior high years and started having a social life, I don't re remember going to church um, that much anymore and hardly ever once I hit high school. And that of course was my choice. Halfway through my junior year of high school, I experienced the presence of God in a real personal way that I'd never experienced before. Up until that time, I attended public school. Um, I dove headfirst into the party lifestyle, drinking on the weekends, promiscuity. Um, alcohol was, for me, probably a gateway to eventually smoking pot mm. almost every day. It led me to experimenting with drugs, um, other drugs, and it, it was just a downward spiral for me, and I didn't know yeah. how to get out of it. So the the wake-up call for me came when my mother, out of desperate love, drove me to a drug rehabilitation center mm -hmm. in my teens, and this was her attempt to intervene for me, and I remember that day so vividly. I cried and cried in that drug rehab center until my mom couldn't stand to see me in that state. So she allowed me to come back home. So um, Jody, here's where the miracle occurred. That night, as I was alone in my bedroom, I cried out in desperation these words, God, if you're real, change my life. And it was the next morning that my mother walked into my room and asked me to consider switching schools so that I could go to a Christian oh. school. Um, so one of my best friends from junior high had transferred to this school after our freshman uh -huh. year. And so out of desperation and just wanting something new in my life, I said yes. And so by that afternoon, I was registered at Trinity Christian School in Cedar Hill, Texas. That was midway through my junior high year of high or my, my junior year of high school. I mean, what made you cry out to God? Well, I was at rock yeah. bottom. <laughs> so just that, that was such a wake up call for me and my mom, uh, literally driving and, and checking me into a drug rehab center for teens. That, that was a wake up call for me. And I just, there was such a void, such a void in my, in my heart that I didn't know at the time. And it was because I needed Jesus. Yeah. I mean, you must've been thinking, I mean, the Lord brought back some memories from, when you were in church or something that drew you to call on him. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Prayer. That's the, just that, that was what came up in my heart that night just to cry out um, those words. If you're real, God, you know, change my life. Yeah. Boy, he loves to answer desperate prayer. Yeah, he does. He does. And so um, really by that afternoon, I was registered. Um, and two weeks later at the Christian school that I attended, after that desperate prayer in my bedroom, an evangelist came to our school and spoke to our entire class. It was a spiritual emphasis week, so she was there for several days. 
Uh-huh. And what I remember about her was she was this prophetic evangelist in her 60s, and she was a ball of fire. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I got saved at school after hearing her message about salvation and living for Jesus. Uh-huh. And I remember personally feeling God for the first time. And a few weeks after that, I had a, yet another powerful encounter. I was filled and baptized with the Holy Spirit, which is the power mm-hmm. that I needed really to overcome my previous lifestyle. And I was never the same. Yeah. And so, and if God had not done enough that week, I also met a dark haired, brown eyed boy at my new school who had rededicated his life to God after hearing the same evangelist. And he invited me to his youth group and you may have guessed by now, but that young man man eventually um, asked me to marry him, which also changed the course of my life forever in the greatest way. Yeah. So you were high school sweethearts with Mike. We were, we were. Okay. And you, basically recommitted your life to the Lord or you recommitted your life to the Lord and he recommitted his life to the Lord the same week. Yes. God knew the plans he had for you before you even knew it. He was orchestrating your path to get you to a place where you all could meet because he had uh, an amazing thing for you to do in life together. Yeah. And what really what I'm most thankful about in my faith experience is that it's, um, it's just allowed me to have such a compassion and desire Mm -hmm. to see the lost come to Christ. And and Mike and I both share that same compassion for the lost. And we just, um, we want to live our lives on mission to help fulfill the great commission. And that means, you know, we have to get out there and bring good news to the poor, whether that be in another country or in our own city. So you're in high school, you meet Mike and um, you're, you're both, you know, new believers, basically learning how to walk with the Lord. Did you get married right out of high school or what was your next step when you graduated? We dated for two years and then we got married. I was um, 19 when I got married. He was 21. Uh And like I said, we've been married for 28 years now. So, and I think after high school, you all went to Bible college. Is that true? So we first served as youth pastors um, and we worked in the inner city. And then about three and a half years after doing that, we felt strongly that we were supposed to go and get more training. And one of the opportunities was the revival that was going on in Pensacola, Florida. Um, They had a school, Brownsville um, Revival School of Ministry, and we had no children at the time. And so we... Uh said, we, this is a, an opportunity of a lifetime. We need to take advantage of this. So we um, packed up and moved to Pensacola for two years and went through the Bible college there. It was incredible. Just that, that season, the, the God experiences that we were able to be a part of, the different speakers and people that came. It just, um, we just still can't believe it that God would, would have us go there, but we're so grateful for that experience. Yeah, God really fashioned you during that time. I I was looking at your Facebook Facebook page and um I saw a quote that you posted on Facebook by Andy Bird. I'm going to I'm going to read it because I think it's kind of appropriate here and maybe you can comment on it after that, but it says when the Lord sets about to build a leader, he starts in the secret place. He begins where we least want him to, but most need him to in obscurity. Everyone wants a moment to take out Goliath in front of thousands cheering us on. We want our lives to be seen, impactful, and celebrated. However, David's life as a leader began among the sheep fields. 
with no one looking on as he slayed the bear and the lion. He didn't become a man after God's own heart after Goliath or after he was king, but through the years of faithfulness, starry nights, and worship moments alone. Without this preparation, we will never be ready with the character or depth for the moments of public courage that will be required of us. Embrace every season, no matter the visible impact. Embrace every bit of character refinement, no matter the slowness. Embrace every hidden opportunity to worship, to go deep, and stay faithful. I just loved that quote when I saw it on your on your website, and I thought it's so appropriate. You know, when God, uh, I mean, I've seen it over and over again in my life and, and in other lives, you know, people's, people I know that he eventually uses to do mighty things. There's a lot that goes on behind the scenes. There's a lot of fashioning and discipling and preparing that God takes us through. Some of it is exciting. Some of it is hard, uh, but he uses it all to bring us to a place that he needs us to be in order that he be glorified in, in what he's going to do through us. So he takes us all through those seasons of refinement. Uh, how, how has he done that in your life? Yeah, Jody. Well, that's, oh, I love, love, love that quote. We, we love YWAM, um, Andy Bird. Uh, just, we just love, love what Darlene and Lauren Cunningham have done mm-hmm. with missionaries and just throughout their ministry over the years. Um, gosh, God has really encouraged me, Jody, and especially in the last two years um, after COVID, the season that no one saw coming when things just kind of stood still and, you know, you just kind of were in this rest season, whether you wanted to be in it or not, God encouraged me to embrace the journey. And that means the process. And really what I mean by that is um, in my younger years as a Christian, I used to avoid and try as fast as I could to fly through any kind of wilderness season. I remember complaining to God about them instead of leaning in and trying to you know, really hear what he was trying to teach me. And those wilderness and pruning seasons, they aren't punishment. Um, God really often prunes the most after seasons where we've been the most fruitful. And it's because he knows that, you know, it will bring even greater fruit in the next season. But I didn't quite understand um, that when I was younger, um, especially James chapter one, where it says, consider it joy, you know, whenever you face trials, because that's the testing of your faith. And that's what produces perseverance, right? So the scripture goes on to say, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature, complete, and not lacking anything. So really the the words that say, let perseverance finish its work, that's my choice, you know? And so I think the the longer I've walked with God, the more um, he has taught me to lean in and embrace those seasons of whether it be pruning or rest um, or wilderness seasons. And really, and it's, it, God's way more concerned what he's doing in you, right, than what he does through you. Boy, he um, sure does. Yeah, yeah I learned that. I mean, he, I, I used yeah. to work, uh, I used to, I used to really work for God. You know, I mean, I thought I had to work for God. And then I realized he doesn't want me working for him. He wants me walking with him so he can talk to me along the way and he can show me the way to go and he can change my heart and my motives. I mean, my motives have even changed. Am I doing it because I want, you know, a star? I'm kind of a type A person, personality. And I, you know, I want to be at the head of the class. I want to be, you know, get that A. And God showed me it's not about that. It's about you being love (laughs) because God is love. 
Yeah. And it, and it's in those times where he actually is equipping us to handle, right, the call mm-hmm. that he's placed upon us. And yep. so if, you know, whenever God wants to accomplish anything uh, big in your life, he's never in a hurry to do it. And so it's just kind of learning to lean in and embrace um, those seasons. Yes, yes. I'm, uh, you know, I think of Moses. He was on the backside of the wilderness for 40 years and uh, so many others that, uh, you know, he didn't use didn't, didn't really bring some others into their full destiny until they were quite a bit older because he really does want our care. It's all about our character. Uh, years ago, there was a, a lot of scandals in, you know, pastors failing and well, kind of like today, actually. Um, and I was younger in my, in my walk with the Lord and I was looking at them thinking, Lord, you know, I, I want your anointing. I really want to do whatever you want me to do. Great things for you, Lord. But I don't want to crack under the pressure. So before you do any of that, God, make, you know, make, work your character in me so I can handle it. And uh, I mean, I didn't really understand what I was praying at the time. You know, I didn't understand what it would take to work character in me. But it was, I think, a revelation of the Holy Spirit to me that, you know, if if you step out to you know, without the character of Christ, um, you can crumble. And, and we, we've seen that, you know, we've seen that, unfortunately, we don't want to cast stones at anybody because wash, we could all, that could all happen to us. It can happen to any one of us, but it, it is, it is that character development. And I know from your story, a lot of that came about in the Lord asking you to take some steps of faith along the way. You know, you were out of high school, you were youth pastors in an inner city ministry. And, you know, all of a sudden you went to Pensacola for Bible school. Um, that was kind of a bit of a step of faith. What did you do after that when you graduated? We ended up coming back and serving with the same ministry that we served with before we went to Bible college, but it was no longer in the inner city because that was Mm -hmm. during the time, kind of the latter nineties where the city had come in and they were moving some of those poor communities out to build um, things like Midtown that um, is in Houston now, just some of the, you know, higher end um, lofts and things like that. So it wasn't the same. Um, So we actually, our church ended up merging with a church in Northwest Houston. And so we also served as youth pastors and young adults for that particular church as well before Corla. 2010 came along and, um, the massive earthquake in Haiti happened. And uh, I know that you and Mike had had on your heart, God had been speaking to you about helping orphans, which was not the same as being a youth pastor. Tell us about that. Mm -hmm. I want to go back a little bit to um, our first ministry ministry position, which was in the inner city of Houston. And really um, that was just a real pioneering season. We were, um, we had the privilege to help Mike's older brother and my sister-in-law who were the pastors there. And we really um, pioneered with them in the, the fourth ward of Houston, Texas, one of the most dangerous neighborhoods in that area at the time. And um, it, you know, it, it, that required a lot of faith. It was such an exciting season because, you know, we saw so many come to the Lord and, the homeless, um, drug dealers, prostitutes, transvestites, you know, on and on. But 
Um, but it was also intimidating at times because we were, um, like I said, in a dangerous area and, um, you know, the, the opposition and the spiritual warfare, right, is, is sometimes greater in those uh, situations. But God just, God was just always so present and he led us every step of the way as we followed, you know, by faith, his leading. But we um, went to Haiti for the first time and just the, that burden um, came in, on Mike, my husband, in prayer. He just felt strongly in his heart that God asked him this question, um, do you know the name of one orphan? And, you know, of course, we knew and ministered to a lot of fatherless children in the mid-90s in the inner city. And But as far as true orphan children, um, we really didn't. And, um, and then God asked him if we would defend them, defend the orphans. So, yeah, so it's it's been a journey. Um, it's been a wild ride, but gosh, we wouldn't trade it for the world. And it really is. I just, we love the story of Nehemiah, you know, the rebuilding of the wall. And it all started with a burden in his heart, you know, so that's usually how God will um, drop, you know, a calling um, is, is through, through a burden. I love that you and Mike served in a kind of an, an at-risk community. That's really where God started me as well. I was in graduate school and there was a group of graduate students that were uh, at Regent University, Christian Christian University, and there was a group of graduate students that were um, serving in this difficult community, Capistella Square at the time it was called, or Foundation Park actually. And um, yeah, it was dangerous. Police and fire rescue were hesitant to go in unless they really needed to. And uh, some of the students moved into the community and they, you know, I had a friend who was involved. She kept inviting me and to go. And I was like, you know, I'm really not called to work in the inner city. I'm just, you know, that's really not what God wants me to do. But I finally said yes, just, just to get her off my back. And I went that first day and saw the children there and God just broke my heart and gave me a love for them. And, you know, for seven, for the next seven years, I would go in and work with the kids and teach Sunday school. Well, it wasn't Sunday school, but I, I developed a kind of a discipleship program for the, the, the kids in there. And it, it also gave me a whole new understanding of God's love for the lost and the least and those training grounds. You know, he gave me a heart for the world in that time. Before that, I was looking to my own career. What can I do? How can I make money? Then I can, you know, be prominent. And God said, I want you to be prominent in the kingdom, not in the world. That takes a whole different path in our lives. It requires a life of service instead of promotion. So along the way, I'm sure you've, you face some challenges and failures. What did you learn from those experiences? For me personally, my biggest challenge, Jody, was lacking courage, um, not believing that God could use me, um, not feeling adequate enough at times. And gosh, I can't help but think of Moses. Um, and Moses, uh, he protested, you know, to God, and he he would say, "Who am I, you know, to appear before Pharaoh? And who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt?" So inadequacy was a real struggle for me and one that I had to allow God to change my thinking about. You see, when, when God places, you know, dreams and goals and mandates inside of you, doubt is sure to come. But over time, um, really, I discovered that much of that opposition, you know, was within me. And, um, but if, if I would just obeyed God and placed all my inadequacies into his hands, he 
can work wonders through me. And um, I just, you know, I'm so grateful for just that lesson. Um, I remember, yeah, so I remember um, writing blogs, you know, kind of when Core Love first started and I would write devotions. And I actually looked back the other day and found one on Moses, you know, uh, that I had written. And it just really, um, you know, one of the punchlines at the end. And it was like, wow, this is encouraging me today. But it says, (laughs) it said, will you obey God or will you allow your inadequacies to prevent you from attempting all he has called you to, to, to do, right? Um, yeah, and something that he said to Moses, which I love, and he said, God said, I am that I am. And then I just thought about that, and I just really just thought if I am has sent me, you know, I can rest assured that he will be with me and can accomplish beautiful things through me as I obey him. Amen. And you yeah. said yes. You said yes to God, and he has done probably more than you could ever have imagined in a really short time. Yes. And I'll, I'll, um, kind of recall another encounter. Um, you know, I love the scripture in first Samuel 15, it's verse 22 that says obedience is better than sacrifice. Right. And I just, when I think back about, um, 2011, when God first asked us to defend the orphan and, to go to Haiti for the first time. I hadn't even been on a missions trip out of the country ever. <laughs> I had children ages at that time. My children were ages 8, 10, and 12. And and get this, Jody, God really has a sense of humor. I was deathly afraid of flying. Um, gosh, yeah. So that, that may sound silly to some people, but for me, you know, it was a real fear I had to overcome if I were to walk by faith. And I just, I remember having a conversation in my head with God Um, I was having a hard time, right, getting out of my comfortable boat. And the conversation went, uh, you know, along the lines of this, you know, God, I will just be the responsible mother and stay back. And I will bless my, you know, husband to go to Haiti on that short term trip. And I'll just live vicariously through him. And I felt so strongly, Jody, that God said this to my heart. He said, Mandy, if you don't get on that plane, you're going to miss out on what I have for your life. And thank God I obeyed, you know, that voice. I pushed past my fear, pushed past my comfort. I got on the plane and that first trip to Haiti changed me forever. And once again, it changed the course of our life. And I just can't, you know, I can't believe 10 years later, because of that one step of faith that resulted in God having us build two children's villages in two different locations in Haiti that care for over 100 children. We built a school that educates around 300 children. 60 of those are our orphans. The rest are children from their surrounding village. Um, We constructed a health clinic that has cared for thousands of people. So just from that one trip, you know, just obeying God, even when you're scared, even when it's, you know, there's fear that you have to push past he will be with us, but he just wants us. He's just asking for those little steps of obedience. Just move your feet. Yeah. You know? I mean, wow. Just taking that step of faith beyond your fear. I mean, that's often times what it is that keeps us from doing what God wants. You know, we have fear that we have fear that he's not going to come through for us. Because I've, you know, obeyed God in those little steps over and over, he eventually completely healed me from fear of flying. I actually enjoy it now, which is only God. Yeah, Yeah, I I love to fly, actually. I mean, not so much anymore, but I used to love to fly. I'm not afraid of it, but uh, it kind of, you know, now people can reach you even on the plane. But it used to be one of the places I could go and shut everything off. No phone calls, no emails, and 
Yeah. And I just, you know, I want anyone who's listening just to be encouraged. I mean, it may not be fear of flying or being anxious about leaving your kids while you're in another country. Although we took our kids as many times as we could. Um, but you know, just, um, don't be afraid to push past those fears. And I just, I love the story of Peter, you know, when he got out of the boat and walked on the water, I I really believe that he experienced the revelation of Jesus. He never would have experienced had he not attempted, you know, to walk on that water. And it's just, it's always worth it. So when you got off the plane in Haiti, I mean, Haiti is cultural difference from the U.S. is dramatic. Um, And especially after the earthquake, I mean, it was chaotic and people were desperate and there was a lot of lack. What was your conversation with Mike as you were, you know, going through this this country saying, God, how can we help? Yeah. So on that first trip, it was... uh... My husband, Mike, uh, myself, and then we had one of our board members um, named Frank that came with us and we literally got off the plane. Now, we're so grateful and thankful. We actually met a team from um, Somebody Cares. Doug had kind of orchestrated that we could meet up with them and that's kind of um, how our first trip to Haiti looked. But we, our plane arrived at different times. So we got there before them. And we literally walk out in the airport and we, the, the, the first thing we remember is seeing um, a couple of men with the, I guess they were sawed off shotguns, <laughs> just like kind of walking just out in the open. And literally we had to kind of find a place to just sit down and wait for the, the, the rest of the group. And it was a little, you know, intimidating, but, but honestly, Jody, like, just the grace of God just comes so strong in those moments. And you're just, it just takes over really. And you, you just like forget about the things that you normally would be as fearful about in America. Um, just because you're just overwhelmed with the people, the, the, the poverty and just your heart, you know, just um, the, the heart strings begin to be pulled from the Holy Spirit, from, from the Lord, because it's his burden, it's his heart, you know, for the poor and the orphans. And so that incredibly just overtakes you. And it just was the greatest, greatest trip ever. Yeah. I, I found that when I'm walking in obedience to God, his grace makes things easier than I expect. And even when I look back on my life at seasons, you know, that God asked me to do things that, uh, you know, we all go through seasons in life where he asks us to do different things. I look back at some of the seasons in my life and I think, how did I ever do all of that? And I just know it was the (laughs) grace of God. You know, I mean, there's a scripture that says he makes our paths straight and he makes the rough places smooth and the crooked places straight. And when we're walking in obedience his grace does that for us in ways that we just can't even explain, but we know it and we sense it. And when we look back on it, we can just see his hands all over it. So you started these orphanage, or really children's homes, and um, you've, you've hired um, really the mamas that work, that work with the children are, are Haitian. Uh, they just love those kids. And one of the things that um is so special about what you're doing in Haiti in particular is that uh, God has brought you a lot of children with special needs. 
these are, you know, orphaned children with special needs, uh, really in, in Haiti and in many countries that are not as developed as the U.S., children with special needs are kind of thrown away. Uh, they just, the burden of caring for them is too great. There's not the infrastructure and, and services that we have here in the States to care for them. And life is a struggle. And so, you know, for everyone, even when you're fully functional, and uh, God sent you to Haiti to care for some special children that would have no one to care for them if if it weren't for you. That's honestly one of our biggest um, joys. And that they're not a burden. They're gifts. You know, we thank God for every one of them. Gosh, we have over um, over 10 children in one of our locations in Haiti that are special needs. And it just the stories. I mean, we've had two um, young babies that were abandoned at a hospital. And if I pronounce this word wrong, forgive me, but they both had hydrocephalus Um and literally, um, the, the local, you know, what we, we would call CPS here, um, there in Haiti, um, brought them to our orphanage and, oh my goodness, just seeing them smile and just even the little steps forward that, you know, have really been miracles that God has done in them. It's been amazing, but, you know, it's kids like that, that, um, that need, you know, the continuation of care, um, Gosh, they require more supervision, more specialized care, um, some around the clock. But we are just so blessed with um, some great mamas in Haiti. And yes, we we believe um, in the local community. And really, um, that's our heart to hire Haitians, you know, to care for our um, children. And they do such a great job. Yeah. When you first built these these children's homes, um, they you weren't you weren't expecting that uh, these that God would start bringing you these special needs children and the, the, the homes that you have aren't really fully equipped for taking care of all the needs of children with these special needs. And so you're in the process of, of actually building a new home or designing a new home that will really uh, have everything that these children need with their mobility challenges and other things. And the Somebody Cares Widows and Orphan Fund was created to help projects just like that. You've shared about our partnership with Core Love. So I just want to invite our listeners, if if you want to help these children with special needs in Haiti, uh, with this project of building a new home that's specifically designed for special needs uh, and for other projects around the world that help children who have these special needs or special gifts, um, you can you can give and be a part of the, the Widow and Orphans Fund at the Somebody Cares website, or you can go to um, the her, HerGodStory.com website and uh, click and, and join us in working with these special needs. You can join Mandy and Mike and, and us with this project and with other projects around the world um, because these children are precious to God. And, uh, and I, I'm amazed at and all that God is doing in and through you. You all recently just took a, a trip to Honduras and uh, are looking at the possibility of caring for some children there as well. Is that is that correct? We we did, Jody. Um, what I love about our journey and a lot of this we've gleaned from you guys, um, Doug and Somebody Cares, um, just that the kingdom of God is built on relationships, right? And there's just been so many doors that, you know, wouldn't have opened for us if, if it were not for relationships. So 
uh, with the situation um, our newest location in Honduras. Um, just we're so grateful. Uh, God connected us with a local Houston pastor, um, Pastor Randy Needham um, from Houston, and they have um, ongoing. They've had a project in Honduras, an ongoing relationship with some precious pastors and uh, a group there, and they. Um, just we got connected with them and just got through God's um, divine, you know, meetings. Um, they asked us to uh, come alongside and to help um, further this project. So um, it's been just a real joy. So, yeah, we took a trip there. Right. It literally we traveled to Honduras the day after my daughter got married, which it, which it, at first, you know, at first I thought, what are we doing? Like, I, I, I don't want to be on a plane the next day, but. Honestly, the more I thought about it, Jody, I thought that's probably the greatest thing I need to do the day after my my daughter's wedding. And so um, it may have been that it may have been two days. We may have had one day of rest and then it was the very next day. But it uh, oh, gosh, it was just such a beautiful um, trip and just we're so honored um, to, you know, that that dwelling place would um, just, you know, consider us to, um, take on that project. So, yeah, so we'll, um, eventually be building some children's uh, villages there and working with the local pastors. I love it that, you know, God, you've proved yourself faithful to God because, you know, you've taken those steps of faith. He's asked you to, you've been obedient to the call he's put on your life. And so he keeps giving you more. It reminds me of the parable of, uh, you know, the servants, Jesus gave them talents and he came back and said, yeah, you've used your five talents. I'm going to give you more. Yeah. You've used your 10 talents. I'm going to give you more. And God's saying, yeah, you know, you guys have used what I've given you. You've, you've been obedient and I'm going to give you more. And it's just exciting to see. And I'm, I mean, the miraculous ways that he has provided is also, uh, amazing. Can you, can you share some of those miracle stories that you've seen? There is so many, um, miracles of provision and gosh Jody I, I wish I would have had a little more time to prepare for this, <laughs> this question because there's just so, we could go on all day so many but you know I I remember one of the the, the major um stories that was just a miracle story is when we first began and you may have heard by now every year we do something in May called May match to where um, we have a, a donor that, that gives towards this project and then mm-hmm. Core Love agrees to match or actually we raise money and then the donor agrees to match what we raise. And that uh-huh. miraculously stor- story happened on a trip to Haiti. Gosh, this was like before we even built a children's village, we were kind of right on the verge of doing that. And Mike met a... Um, a businessman in Port-au-Prince, Haiti, staying at a guest house. And this businessman, God spoke to this businessman. He was originally from Atlanta. God spoke to him before he went to Haiti and said, you need to go to Haiti. You're going to meet someone that I need you to connect with, and you're going to help their ministry. And so literally it was her, his first night in Haiti and Mike, my husband, Mike, his last night, my, my husband was flying home the next day. And literally they met at that guest house. And I think they spent two hours just on the rooftop talking and crying and just telling the story and just Mike sharing his burden with Haiti. And, um, 
before we knew it, this businessman said, I want to sow a seed into your ministry, but I want you to match it. And that was our first May match. That's how the first May match happened. And it was a, a pretty, pretty good seed. And we just, through God's miraculous help, we were able to to match it. I mean, it was so overwhelming to us because we thought, we don't even know if we can, you know, raise $5,000. But, um, you know, it was, I, I think, it, I think the the match was like $50,000 at the time. And that was just, you know, it blew us away and what God can do, you know, if you'll just put some feet to your faith. So I just love that story. And just really along the way, Jody, I mean, gosh, and it really just shows us that it's God's heart, right? It's who he is. He's a father to a father to the fatherless. He really is. That's who he is. And so because of that, it's his heart, you know, to take care of the orphan children. It's his heart to take care of the poor. He just needs someone to to go and to be the vessel. And so that's how we feel. Yeah. Over and over and over and over and over again in scripture, he talks about caring for the orphans, caring for the widows, caring for those who can't care for themselves. And when we are obedient to do that, it touches God's heart in a way that, you know, the best worship singing in all the world couldn't do. Uh, That is really what touches God's heart and, and then moves his hand. What are some of those practices that helped you grow and stand strong in this faith that you now have? So if I were to talk about some practices, I think I would probably call them um, I'd probably call them John 15 practices, right? <laughs> Abiding in the vine. And I mean, I, I learned early on in ministry that without him, I can do nothing, you know? So it just, first of all, because I desire to be connect, connected with the, the vine, which is Jesus, but it makes all the difference in the world. You know, if I am daily spending time connecting and and just staying connected to that life vine, which is Jesus. One of the most precious things I do for my soul that because it anchors me greatly, right, is I, I read I read the Bible through every year. Um, I've been doing this for years and it's not because, it, you know, some sort of religious practice to check off. But I've literally by doing it, I have developed just such a deep love for the word of God. And, you know, the Bible says um, that it's it's alive and it's active. And if if it's the only book in this world that's alive and active, I want to make it a priority to abide in it. I mean, I, I need it, you know, right. We could get wonky and sideways if we didn't abide in it. And I just, I just love it. And I, I, I just love the word of God. Every time I read a verse, something new is revealed to me because the Bible is so rich. We can't just read it once and think, we have it all because we could, you know, we could read it every day for the rest of our lives and continue to get new, fresh revelation and application for our lives because God speaks. I mean, the word is alive. You said it's alive and active. It's not just dead on a page. I mean, we can read a lot of other books and they can inspire us, but the word of God instructs us. It teaches us the way we should go. Yes. And it's, and it's not, again, how the quantity. I just like to do that because yeah. that's what helps me, you know, yeah, stay, yeah, absolutely. stay disciplined, yeah. right? Because if I, you know, if I didn't have some sort of a, a schedule, I, you know, I may hit yeah. and miss more often than not. But um, yeah, it just, it is so good. Just, it's transformative and I love it. 
sometimes I have to uh, take it a little bit slower in bite-sized pieces so I can mull over it more. And then sometimes I feel like I really need to get the whole picture and read through it as, you know, in one big flow to get the big picture. And then, uh, yeah, every, every time. And I, one of the things I love to do is, um, read it in different versions. You know, sometimes I'll read it in NIV right now. I'm, uh, kind of been reading it in the new living translation, which has been, you just get something new out of it all the time. And there's a whole new translation called the passion translation. Just the new Testament has and Psalms and Proverbs, uh, yet, and I read that one sometimes too. And, and every time, you know, they're all ba- they're all translations of the Bible. So, you know, they're all coming from the Greek and the Hebrew. Um, but those languages were so much richer and fuller in meaning than the English language. So every translation reveals more of what God is saying to us. Again, Mandy, it's been so much fun to hear all that God's doing in and through you and how he's worked in your life. Uh, and as a final question, this is something I try to ask all my guests. Is there a woman in the Bible whose story has inspired, encouraged, or taught you something? And, and how does her God story connect with yours? So all day, um, it's Esther. I just love her story, but I like to think of her story, um, a little different than others. I've heard her story told before. Um, sometimes as if Esther was this fearless, independent, take nothing from nobody warrior for Jesus that won the day. And she no doubt won the day, right? But Esther was the most least likely person, right? To be welcomed into the, into the King's court. She was an orphan and she was a Jew. So that's two limitations against her. And on top of that, I really feel like she was terrified when she found out the only way to save her people was to go before the king uninvited, which was um, punishable by death. This is what I love about Esther. She leaned 100% completely into God through prayer and fasting. And that's when God's favor came upon her and he used her to save a nation. And I just, um, I can just identify so much with that. And just, it really just inspires me. And just the, the quote that says, perhaps you've come into the kingdom for such a time as this. It's always for God's divine purpose, right? Amen. You know, I had never thought before about her being an orphan. And, um, you know, I mean, I read that. I read it, read it in, in Esther. It's very clear, but I just never thought that, you know, that was who she was. She was an orphan. And, um, you know, God took her to the highest place for a woman in the land and used her and they still celebrate her today. So it doesn't really matter, you know, where you've come from or what your past is. You know, if we will trust God for our future and lean into him in obedience, he'll take us places that we could never even dream. And as we've talked today, I've been reminded of Psalm 37.3, which says, trust in the Lord and do good. Then you will live safely in the land and prosper. Uh, You know, Mandy took big steps of faith, obeying God, even when she didn't see how things were going to work out. But as she trusted him and did good for the precious children he's brought into her life, God has prospered and is still blessing that work beyond anything they could imagine. And dear friend, God can do the same for you. 
Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. In all likelihood, it will not be the path you expected, but it will be a path that leads you into the goodness of God and allows God to do great things in and through you that you would not expect. Psalm 119, 68 says of the Lord, you are good and do only good. (laughs) That's something that God has been speaking to me a lot this year in 2022, that he is good and he does only good. And when we know that deep in our heart, we have faith to obey him because we know it will be good. We don't have to doubt. In a minute, I'm going to have Mandy pray for us, but I want to make sure you can find links to the books and see the scriptures we've mentioned, and they can be found in this uh, episode's show notes. I also encourage you to check out our website, hergodstory.com, for blogs, free resources, and if you want to help complete and equip the special needs home that we talked about in Haiti or do other projects around the world, you can support that through Somebody Cares Widow and Orphan Fund at hergodstory.com as well. There's also a way for you to share your God story with us. We'd love to hear what God has done in and through your life. If you need prayer, feel free to call or text the Somebody Cares 24-7 prayer line. And that you can do at 855-459-CARE. That's 855-459-CARE. Or you can email us at prayer at somebodycares.org, prayer at somebodycares.org. We hope you'll tune in again soon to another episode of Her God Story to be encouraged in your faith. Now, as we close, Mandy, would you pray for us? Absolutely. God, I just thank you so much, God, for the women and whoever is listening to this podcast. Mm-hmm. First, I just thank you for Jody. And God, that, that is your heart that you place within her, God, to encourage women, to champion them. God, I pray that everyone that's listening to this podcast, God, they would just be encouraged in their heart, God, that you use ordinary people, God, sometimes unlikely people, God, because you can get all the glory. God, I pray that whatever season they may be in, God, that they would see that they have a God-given gift, God, and you can use them anywhere, God, whether it be in their home with their children, God, whether it be in their workplace, whether it be across um, the seas, God, and other countries, God, or whether it be in their own city. God, I pray that they would um, just have courage, Father, that you have called each and every one of them, God, and just let them um, just uh, walk alongside of you, Jesus, and co-labor with you, God, and let them Mm -hmm. hear just the dreams that you may um, want to place inside their hearts, God, that they can do anything that you've called them to do because you are with them and you walk with them, Father. I just pray strength and encouragement over everyone who's listening. In Jesus' name, amen. Her God Story is a ministry of Somebody Cares America and International. To find out more about or support the ministry, go to somebodycares.org.